am actually coming to you from Allen, Texas. And I know everybody's like, oh, Allen. I know. We've been all praying for Allen and believing that God is going to do something beautiful in all the brokenness, right? Allen is becoming something on God's plan and on God's ray of his plan. His beautiful plan is going to make it into something beautiful. But I am from Allen, Texas, and, and I just love that I am Latina. Who is Latina in here? Oh, I hear a lot of you. I see a lot of you. Where is Myrna? I know Myrna is here somewhere. When I think of Pastor Myrna, there she is, girl. I didn't get to say hi to you, but I love you. I've known her and her husband would take our um, youth um, group to um, all over the place. Yeah, all over the place, traveling on mission trips, and they're amazing. I love their family, so shouts to you, girl. I just love you so much. I didn't get to hug you. But um, we are coming here, and we just are just been down the road. We've been around friends with your church for a long time. But in Allen, Texas, I was a Latina who had done not known my Lord Jesus like I do now. And I can tell you that we were Catholic. You know, I knew he hung on a cross. I was Catholic on Christmas and Easter. And then I would search out New Age the rest of the week, and I was just crazy. And I didn't know that the Rock of Ages was chasing me. Come on. Because, you know, I was broken, and I didn't know his goodness, but I was always hungry and searching and journaling and talking to God because I knew there was a God, but I wasn't close to him. And so we go through my life. By the time I'm a teenager, I'm already been sexually abused, physically abused, mentally abused, emotionally abused. I went through all the abuse. I was a nutcase, okay? But I had such a beautiful family, nobody would ever have known it. I mean, my mom and dad were beautiful. We were happy. We, you know, we had a great family. My parents were the only um, parents that were married. And my mom had a cherry red Camaro. Come on, like, I felt, like, good going to school. Nobody would know it. But I come into my tw um, 18 years old, and I'm just so thirsty for love. Has anybody ever been thirsty for all the long things? And so I was thirsting, and it led me to... Um, drinking from men and then when that wasn't enough it was women and then when that wasn't enough it was going into fame and so I found myself going into um, trying out for this arena football team called the Dallas Desperados and I thought this is my ticket once I make this I am going to just blow up and I am just you know I'm gonna act I'm gonna sing I'm gonna be JLo before she was JLo and I just had this vision that fame and that prosperity and, and wealth was going to give me a sense of value that I was so hungry for. And so you find me here, and I'm on this team, and everybody thinks, you know, oh, she's somebody. And I'm like, you know, just I'm just like living it up. I'm about to try out for the Maverick Dancers. And I have this aunt who has a crazy aunt or grandma who loves Jesus, who's praying for you. She's probably praying for you, and you ended up here in this seat tonight, right? But I had this crazy aunt who, I wanted her to tell me dirty, jo dirty jokes at Christmas, and she was telling me about Jesus. And I got radically saved when she gave me a book. I read the book at work, and finally my heart was opened to reading it, and I got radically saved. The author said she was caught up in fornication, um, drugs, alcohol, like chasing fame, and in that second I realized that 
is my life? What, like all of the blinders came off and it, it clicked that I was a sinner. I had no idea I was a sinner. I thought I was a good girl. I'm so sweet. I'm so nice. I have this sweet side and then it has this like sass, right? And it comes out and it's, I'm a real sass, you know, I have this sass that comes out, but the sweetness was lying to me. And I thought, oh, I don't, I don't need a savior. But in that moment, I figured out I need a savior. And I gave my life to the Lord. Come on, the Lord blanketed me at work at 500 West Bethany Drive in Allen, Texas, right down the street from that shooting. And that was 20 years ago. This week, come on, is God not good? And now I'm standing here today. The pervert became the prophetic voice. The one who was cheating became the faithful one. The one who was broken became the one is healing wounds the one who was so tormented in her mind was one that can sit and soak and tell truth and i want to tell you today wherever you're at wherever you're sitting wherever you're wherever you're listening to online the lord is going to meet you in a place and he's going to make this beautiful becoming begin today because i became whole and i am becoming whole come on at the same time and tonight is a night where we get to open our heart and expect God to do something so miraculous. Two months later, no, four months later, I'm sorry, after my conversion, I was delivered, I was set free, so many things in my story, so many layers, but I met a fiery, amazing, hot husband. My, my husband, I call him my fiery preacher, his, uh, Chris Estrada, and he was preaching, and we got married. We eventually became um, youth pastors and missionaries to Sri Lanka. We were um, actually, we have product tonight that I brought. Sri Lanka is actually a country that is very dear to my heart, and so we work with pastors still, and we are raising money. 60% of Sri Lanka is actually not eating right now. They're, oh, I'm sorry, they're eating one meal a day, and that's not okay on my watch with, for my Sri Lankan friends. So we're selling these shirts. We have um, shirts here that are based out of my husband and I's curriculum, and I actually make music. I'm a housewife and a pop artist. You, you figure it out. I don't know. But um, this is Stay Woke. So these are shirts outside. Stay Woke. I can see heaven. It's a different kind of woke. It's not the kind of woke the world talks about. It's about keeping your eyes on heaven because that's what it's about. The Lord actually spoke that, that word to us. Actually, uh, like a year or two right before that word really blew up. And he was like, tell the church to stay woke. So we wrote songs. We have a curriculum out. And then this is um, another song I have called Electric Touch that it just came out. Because the Lord is going to touch his people in a supernatural way. And we're going to talk about that today. But we have these curriculums. Also, here's Kingdom Identity. My husband wrote this one, but I gave him, like, a lot of it. <laughs> so I was like, we, this is a team effort. I'm like, where's my name? Where is it? But we are one, so it's okay. So we have these out there. If you guys want to check them out afterward, um, the proceeds from the T-shirts are going to create a farm that we're going to create um, food and make food cheaper because of all the increase of costs they can't eat. So we are going to make build a farmland for a, um, pastors, friends of ours in Sri Lanka, and we're going to feed the people. But I'm here because we are going to feed on the word of God. Who's ready for the word of God tonight? <sighs> so my husband and I, going back, if you want to pick up a picture, I have a picture. We have my husband and I have four children now. I have a 16-year-old, a 14-year-old, a 9-year-old, and a six, almost 7-year-old. He was born on our anniversary. There's my babies. I don't know if y'all can see it. But they, we have my little, um, I call him my little white baby. He was like our little surprise. Look, look, full out. I mean, that's my kid. I didn't adopt him. That's my kid. 
but he looks very white, mira, like all of the Hispanics you know. All of Mexico City is full with blonde hair, blue-eyed people, right? So that's my beautiful family. They are praying for you. We've been fasting for you. We've been believing that God's going to do something supernatural. So I'm so excited. But I want you to get ready and just get ready to taste and see what God's going to have for you today. If you have your Bibles, we are going to dive in. I want you to get it open because we're going to start in on Mark 14. And if you start opening up your Bibles, if you start, you know, getting your phone open, uh, we will we will pick it up. But tonight, you know, I just really believe that God is going to meet you exactly where you're at. Who has had things you've been praying that you're like, God, I need you to answer today. Like, I need an answer now. And I believe that is our God. He is a now God. He is a hearing, active God. And I just believe he is going to meet you right where you're at. And he's going to give you what you need. It's not going to be because I say what you need. It's going to be because you are leaning in and gleaning what you need. And the Holy Spirit is going to come. So I just thank the Lord. I'm just going to, we're going to begin reading Mark chapter 14. And we're going to read a little bit. We're in church. Is that okay? We're going to read, right? It's like six verses. Like, come on. That's nothing like the six shows you saw last week, right? You're, you're laughing because you're like, I wish I had time. Like, I wish I had time. I never have time to watch TV. I, I, anyway, but um, maybe somebody can pray for me about that because I don't have time. <laughs> but um, with my four kids, you know, they keep me busy. But we're going to read in chapter 14, starting in verse 3. And I'm going to find it here on my notes. All right, so it says, now Jesus was in Bethany. We're going to set up Jesus was in Bethany. I was saved off of Bethany in Allen, Texas. Isn't that crazy? So we're right where we need to be tonight. Now Jesus was in Bethany in the home of Simon, a man who had, he had been healed of leprosy, and he was reclining at the table. A woman came into the house with an alabaster flask filled with the highest quality. Say highest quality of fragrant and expensive, say bougie. She came to Jesus, and with a gesture of extreme devotion, she broke the flask and poured out the precious oil on his head. Some were highly indignant when they saw this, and they complained, say complained, to one another, what a total waste. Say, that's cat. <laughs> Y'all like what? It could have been sold for a great sum, and the money could have been given to the poor. So they scolded her harshly. Jesus said to them, come on, Jesus spoke up. Leave her alone. Why are you so critical of this woman? I love my Jesus. Why are you so critical of this woman? She has honored me with this beautiful act of kindness. You will always have the poor whom you can help whenever you want, but you will not always have me. When she poured, say poured, fragrant oil over me. She was preparing my bottle, body in advance for my burial. She has done all that she could to honor me. I promise you that as this wonderful gospel spreads all over the world, the story of her lavish devotion to me will be mentioned in memory of her. Let's pray. 
Holy Spirit, I thank you that you are here in this building right now. We can feel you. We can sense you. We know you're here. We thank you right now in the name of Jesus that every spirit that is not of you would leave the building now in Jesus' name. We declare a supernatural cleansing and alignment and a wholeness would come from your presence. I thank you right now for the spirit of revelation, the spirit of wisdom and knowledge in knowing you would come now. I pray that you would open the eyes of your daughters. You would open the eyes and the hearers and the hearers would hear you right now. I thank you for everybody watching online, that they would sense your presence with them right now, and that everybody who is thirsty would drink of your goodness. And I thank you, Father, that we are expectant and we love you in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. Come on. Who remembers Waldo? I know, it's so random, right? This crazy preacher, who is she? I know, I'm from Allen, Texas. Like, you know, I'm Mexican, I am. But who remembers Waldo? I have a Where's Waldo book right here. Do you remember this book? Who, who remembers this book? Who is like, I have no idea what she is talking about. What is that book on the stage doing? If you know Waldo, you know that the search begins when you open up this book, right? And I have four beautiful kids, and my husband and I are always looking to connect with my kids. Okay, hopefully it'll drop it. Let's get that picture up because I'm not opening up this very well. But we want to connect with our kids. And my husband was noticing that my daughter had brought home this book. And I was connecting with my daughter. We were snuggled up in the bed. Like, we were having so much fun. And he's like, that's a connection point. I'm going to go help her. Because I was sad when this book had to go back to the library. So my husband ordered it on Amazon. And I was like crazy, y'all, looking for Waldo. I was brushing my teeth looking for Waldo because I could not find him the night before when I was falling asleep. I could not find that darn um, tail. So I would, that tail, that, you know, you had to find like all of Waldo's demonic things that he dropped on the floor. And so it's like a bone. It's like a key. It's like a scroll. Do y'all remember Waldo? I know. It's crazy. But I would be brushing my teeth, y'all. I mean, I would be putting my makeup on in the car, and I had my Waldo book, because I had to find the Wallo, Wall, Wally Watchers. Like, where are the Wally Watchers? I was literally, like, Chris is like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm blending my makeup and looking for the Wally Watchers, and we were on our way to church. He's like, you have a problem. I was seeking Waldo way too hard, way too much, way too long. But, you know, it's not that I had a problem. It said I was thirsty. It said I was hungry. It said I was committed to finding Waldo. It said I was like, I was not going to let anything go until I found him. And I thought my, my daughter loved it because, I mean, I was connecting with her. I thought she was, like, happy because mom is, like, with me. But then she would be like, Mom, can you make me something to eat? Dad's out of town. He's ministering. Can you make us something to eat? I'd be like, girl, I'd be like, every man for themselves tonight. I am not cooking. Like, you need to make your, I have to find Waldo. I was crazy about Waldo. And then the Lord stopped me, and he's like, when will my people have such a desperation, have such a hunt in their heart, have such a desire to find the delights that I have in them? to find the goodness that I've hidden in my word, the treasure of my word that I've hidden. There's a treasure that I've hidden just for you in my word. When 
will my daughters and my sons seek it out? Because when you look in the word and you've seen it a million times, you notice something different. I noticed there was a man with a bad sunburn, and I didn't see it before. When you get in that word, you see things that you had never seen before. And we are, and at some point, we got bored of getting in God's word, and we're falling asleep. But where are my seekers? Where are my devoted ones? Where are my ones going to go get the oil that is hidden in the word of God. Because see, there is oil hidden within the depths of the pages. You have to understand oil is represented as intimacy in the word of God. And this woman here, she went and she done got her oil to pour at Jesus's feet. And you have to realize that she had already gotten the oil in the spiritual before she brought it out in the natural. And for some of you, that might have gone over your head, but for the deep ones, you're like trekking with me. But do you know that oil in the Bible represents Holy Spirit? It represents intimacy, like I said. It represents abundance. Many preachers preach about the anointing, and that's just a benefit of Holy Spirit. That's a benefit. That's like being excited and talking about your billionaire husband's money. And there's the Holy Spirit who gets forgotten and gets lost because we're so busy. We're such in a rush, and we forget that he lives inside of us. But I love it here because this woman, she teaches us in Mark 14. She teaches us that being an oil getter is what's important. So if you're taking notes tonight, the title of my message is called Oil Getters. Oil Getters. And I hope you're taking notes. Open your phone. I won't think you're texting your girl back home. But I want you to realize that God is looking for women who are going to be oil getters. This woman shows us what it looks like, and she reminds us, and I want to be an oil getter. I don't want to be a fruit pruner. Come on, we are like, Lord, help me with this. Help me with that. Help me not have a bad attitude. Help me control my mind. Help me control my thoughts. I don't know about you, but I'm like, Lord, I have self-control with food, but I don't have self-control when my kids act dumb stupid, and I go crazy on them, right? My kids are beautiful. They're not stupid at all, but sometimes they can act crazy, right? I have teenagers, you know, but they're so precious, and I'm like, Lord, what is, what's wrong with this picture? And he told me, Erica, you need to be, you need to, when are you going to stop trying to change and trying to get fruit without intimacy? You can't have fruit. You can't have babies, right? Fruit without intimacy. And the oil represents the intimacy that we are to have, the connection that we have. And so if we are going to be an oil getter, there's three things that oil getters know. Oil getters know that quality matters. Say quality matters. All right. I hope you're taking notes. Okay. Like, take notes. All right. Quality matters because you might not remember this, but you will if you take notes. Quality matters. What do you mean quality matters? She brought something of great quality to him. If you're an oil getter, you bring all of your best possessions, right? She brought the greatest thing. We've heard this pastor Adam and Jamie will teach the hay off of this, right? The hay, the wall down off of this. But the oil that she brought was a 
quality oil. It was an expensive oil. It was worth more than a whole year's wages. We say that it was worth 300 denarii, which in the it, back in those times, that's like, you know, f arguably 50 grand nowadays. I mean, it is worth a whole year's of wages. I mean, I've ne I haven't seen anybody bring a whole offering down yet, right? I mean, a whole year's wages of offering. But she was so hungry to pour out. She brought her best. You have to understand oil getters understand that they only bring the quality to Jesus. I only bring the quality. And when I'm in the middle of panic because somebody rolled their eyes at me again, right, or my husband isn't doing what I want again, when I'm in the middle of that panic, I can't ask the Lord for the oil right there. I have to bring the oil ahead of time and get the oil ahead of time so I can pour it on him Right? Because my flesh be acting up crazy. It does not listen. It is right. It does not want to. But in the spirit, when you get your oil, when you bring your best, your quality of your time matters. The quality that you give when you wake up in the morning and your eyes are open and you say, Holy Spirit, I see you. I want you. I love you. That is when I am getting my oil and I am going to pour my oil on him. What kind of quality are you giving your Lord? We want God to fix us with a magic wand, but we're not willing to sit in the quality and in the silence. Your time is important. Oil getters know that quality is important. She brought her very best. Do you just give Jesus, and I can raise my hand because I do it too. Do you give Jesus just your toilet time? I would tell people, you know, I, I, I read my Bible on the toilet. You know, I turn off my Instagram, go me. And I'm reading my Bible. And my mom once convicted me, and she's like, you give Jesus your toilet time? <laughs> my mom is hilarious. But do you give, I learned, you know what, in that moment we were laughing, and it's amazing, and I love that. But she, it, it's actually a conviction. I was like, you know what, he is the most important person. I don't just, when my husband comes home, hey, what's up, how you doing? I, I'm busy, I'm finding Waldo, you know. I'm like, honey, hi. And I've learned to stop and go to him and look him in the eye, how are you? And give what they call the two, no, it's the three-second hug. It's three seconds, not two seconds. We've, we've leveled up to three seconds now. The three-second hug, like, don't let go. Like, spend time. The quality that you're giving Jesus is going to determine how you're experiencing him. And the quality that she brought, she brought her best. What are you bringing? Are you bringing just half? When you wake up, do you just push snooze? I mean, I, I know I do it too, and I've learned this term of shaking off sleep. I read this book called, like, Secrets of the Tyrants. It's, like, for um, business owners and, like, go-getters. You know, I don't want to be a go-getter. I want to be an oil-getter. And if they tell me I can shake off sleep to build my business, to build my brand, to build my career path, I'm going to not do it for that. I'm going to do it for my Jesus. So I shake off sleep. Quality matters. Another thing that you see in this I want you to have some homework. If you look at 2 Kings, uh, we're not going to look at it right now. I think they have the scripture, actually. 2 Kings, I believe it's chapter 4. But, yeah, oh, look, at they have it. Um, thank you. So 2 Kings chapter 4, this is your homework to read this. But you have to understand 
there was a woman who went to the prophet Elisha. My son is named Elisha, beautiful name. And she said, you know, my husband served you, but now he's gone and the creditors are coming and I owe a big debt and they want to take my sons and make them slaves and I need help. What are you going to do, man of God? And he looks at her and says, what do you have in your house? And she's like, well, I just got olive oil. That's it. Well, I mean, she's like, what's that going to do? Nothing. And he, he looks at her and says, get all the empty flasks in the neighborhood and bring them. He was working on her pride because she wasn't asking any of her neighbors or her friends for help. She was asking the man of God, expecting something to happen. She couldn't humble herself to ask for help, but he made her. He challenged her in the middle and to go to all her neighbors and say, help me. She sent her son. She's like, okay, I'll send my son. So, you know, that didn't work out too well. But he was working on it, and the son gathered all of the flasks. And if you read in that scripture, it says he kept filling the oil up as long as there was empty vessels. Have you emptied all of your pain, all of your worry, all of your doubts, all of your fears, do you just hold on to it or do you empty it out at the feet of Jesus? Because whatever you empty, the Lord can replace and the Lord will fill. So even though she was pouring out her oil, her best, she knew that her oil, her intimate connection, her abundance, because remember I said oil represented abundance. It was their face cream. It was their food. It was their source of electricity. That was her abundance, but she knew he is my abundance. Quality matters. What does the quality of your emptying look like? What are you emptying out for Jesus? The quality of your empty vessel will determine how much oil he can pour into you. What is the quality of your empty vessel? I just sense he wants to erase worry, erase fear, erase I'm not enough. Because when the, when the oil getters arise, they're cleansed by the anointing of their father. I never felt like I could... With all my past, I never felt like I could be enough. The first couple of months, it was like my, sh my past kept coming back up. You were this. You've, you know, you've, you've done this with this person, and people will remind you. But I kept emptying it out. I said, no, Lord. I stopped clubbing. I stopped partying. I stopped drinking. And I would just sit at his feet and collect and pour my heart out and empty my heart. And he would just begin to wash me with truth. Are you being washed with truth? Are you emptying out? Even some of you need to delete your Instagrams because it is a distraction, and it has been filling you. And the Lord's challenging us. Amen. Quality matters. Number two, the oil getters know. Number two, that critics actually matter. Critics matter. What do you mean critics matter? You have to understand, if the voice of the critic was not there, I think that nobody would have realized the worth. Nobody would have pointed it out. If everybody would just, this woman was not allowed to interrupt this feast, right? She, everybody would just ignore her. Oh, it's just a woman. But the critics said, what are you doing? This could have been given to the poor. It highlighted, right, what she was doing. She was just doing what was naturally coming out of her heart. But critics actually highlight the value of what you're pouring. I remember when I laid down the dance team, I was in the middle, like I said, of trying out for the Maverick Dancers. 
And when I quit the team because I, I met Jesus at work and I was hungry for him and I was learning how he loves me and he wants me whole and he wants me to walk with, with dignity and worth and, and, and be clothed and just, just, he was just loving on me so brilliantly that I didn't realize it was a big deal. But then people started saying, why are you quitting the team? My critics came and the voice of the critics came, are you in a cult? People were really concerned about me, actually. But I didn't even know. I was just a natural reaction. Sometimes your critics aren't there to crush you. Your critics are actually there to help you see you're on the right path. Your critics are actually there to help you be crushed so that more oil can flow. Because you're like, you think that's a lot. Watch what else I'm going to give up for Jesus. I'm going to give up my, you know, these phone numbers that I look to. I'm going to give up all these DMs that I've been messing with, all these exes, right? It just, it can't, it's like, you think that's a lot. I'm going to, I'm going to get more undignified than this, right? The critics actually matter. But sometimes the critics can be crushing. I understand. When I was younger also, I was crushed under the weight of being made fun of by my hair. I was crushed under my own criticism that if I don't have soft, long, blonde hair and blue eyes, that I am nothing, that I am worthless. And I thought I was, you know, too fat. I thought I was too wrinkly. I thought I was too, you know, there's always this list of I'm too this, too that. And I was my worst critic. Some of you are your worst critics. And the Lord is actually going to come and defend you to yourself. And the Lord showed me, actually through Pastor Jamie, she showed me. She would always be encouraging. She thinks I'm the most encouraging one. Like, I learned it from this lady. She is so encouraging. Actually, sometimes when I would preach, I would feel like I was preaching like Pastor Jamie. I wish. She's an amazing preacher. But I would hear myself, like, downplay me or just criticize me. And the Lord's like, you hate your hair. And I said, no, I don't. And he's like, I'm, I'm, I'm the Lord. I know. <laughs> you hate your hair. And I started digging into it. And Jamie would always, like, tell me how beautiful I am, how amazing, how awesome, how anointed I am. She was always encouraging me. And one day I thought, you know what, I need to start thinking about myself like Pastor Jamie thinks of me. And then the Lord stopped me, and he, he helped me take it further. Erica, I want you to think of yourself like I think of you. And so I began this journey, Lord, I hate my hair then. You know what? And I started seeing, you're right, it's coarse. It's not soft. And you're right, I, I straighten it. And I spend hours and hours of straightening it because I think that is my level of beauty. Yours might not be your hair, but it might be something else. It might be if I was skinnier, if I, was, if I had a better personality, if I was cuter. It could be so many things. But what does the Lord say about you? And so I begin to ask, Lord, what do you say about me? And in that moment, I was on the toilet. Okay, don't judge me. I had two little babies, you know. I had two little babies. Don't judge, okay. Uh, I was on the toilet, and actually the Lord spoke to me. He can speak to you anywhere, okay. I'm making fun of the toilet, but he speaks to me in the shower. He speaks to me when I'm folding clothes. I'm folding clothes, and I'm dining with my king, right? But he began to speak to me, and he said, Erica, when I created you, artists always have a model, and the model that was next to me when I was molding you and shaping you and building you, it was the lion of Judah. And you look just like me, and you are bold as a lion. And that time, 
I did not realize his words pierced me so much. I didn't realize how fearful I was. I was battling so much fear. I would compare myself to this person, my husband, to that person. I was like, God can't use me, you know. Oh, I would just, I was so stuck in this self-hate cycle. And he's going to break self-hate. That word broke off so much self-hate in my life. And the anointing of God came because my critics matter. Your critics matter. You need to take what is crushing you, whatever is criticizing you, and take it, carry it to your creator and say, Lord, what do you say about me? And when you hear him, you will connect with him. You will feel his love. You will find his his beautiful thoughts towards you that are more than the grains of sand on the earth, right? Psalms 139. We know that, okay, I know this in my head, but Lord, I need it to penetrate my heart. The Lord doesn't want you to just memorize scripture. He wants you to encounter it, to experience it. When he told me that, he said, Erica, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. Fearfully is like very reverently. He made us very carefully, very meticulously. And we want to criticize this and that and my age and my, and my voice and this. And you know what? He is so hungry to just show you the truth. Your critics matter. Your critics will crush you, but the oil always comes after the crushing. Let them crush you. Let them come. I'm like, critics, come. Even when I criticize myself, Erica, stop it. <laughs> Lord, what do you say about that, right? But ask the olive. The olive has been crushed. Maybe you've been crushing yourself, and the Lord's like, we're done. We're done. You can't crush yourself. You can't cancel yourself out because I need you to speak up to a dying world. I need your voice. I need your gifts. I need your talents. I need you because only you can do what I have assigned you to do. And he needs a generation to rise up. And remember that critics matter. If you're going to be an oil getter, number three, number three is that cost matters. I love verse 8. I love verse 8 because like we said, man, Jesus showed up for her. He defended her. He, oh, I love it. Oh, he defended her. Everybody wants that older brother to defend you, right? That father to defend you. If you haven't had one of those, your Jesus is there to defend you, sometimes from yourself. But he's there to defend you. And she was bringing her oil, and he recognized the cost he saw the cost, and he said to her, verse 8, she has done all that she could do to honor me. If you realize in that time, you know, she couldn't have used her voice to stop the crucifixion. She couldn't have used her influence to, to tell everybody to listen that he's the Messiah because women had no voice in that time. But she did all that she could, and she was crazy. Right? She got crazy passionate. When's the last time you and your passion for Jesus and your offering to Jesus and your worship cost you something and made you uncomfortable? If people around you are not uncomfortable by your worship, you might not be worshiping him enough. If people are not uncomfortable about how much you love Jesus, about how much you'll give everything up for him, you may not be worshiping him like you think you are. Do you understand the parable 
of the ten wise virgins, there's five foolish and five wise. They were all doing the same thing. They were all waiting for the groom to come back. They were all sitting. They were in the same services. They were in the same worship teams. They were on the same prayer chains. They were doing the same thing. They read their Bibles the same, hopefully not on the toilet, but they read their Bibles the same. They were pressing in. They were waiting for Jesus. Do you see that? Do you see that they were waiting? They were all doing the same thing. Do you see that even the disciples that were there among with them, they were doing the same thing. They had given up wages. They had given up family. But had they lavished their devotion and did it cost them something? Sometimes, ladies, you have to understand your devotion to Jesus has to cost you something. It's going to have to cost you your comfort. It's going to have to cost you money. It's going to cost you time. It's going to cost you influence. It's going to cost you your um, your self-worth because you're going to stop believing your own lies and you've got to trade your self-worth for his worth. It's going to cost you your career sometimes. It's going to cost you your nighttime Netflix hour. It's going to cost you, right? It's going to cost you. It's going to cost you the lies. It's going to cost you your pride. It's going to cost you something, What is that one thing that you have not given up that he's been asking you for and asking you for? Maybe it's going to cost you letting go of fear. It's got to cost you something. Maybe you do need to look silly for a moment. Maybe you will fail. It's going to cost you looking like a failure, and that's okay. You have to understand that Jesus looks at the cost. The cost matters. If you're going to be an oil getter, if you want to connect with him, I will not be one of those virgins who was foolish, right? And he said, you may not come in before I didn't know you. I will not be that. In Matthew, he told, everybody was saying, like, didn't we cast out demons? Didn't we heal the sick? Didn't we, didn't we do all the things you needed us? And he says, away from me, for I never knew you. And that word know is the same word in the Greek, gnosk, gnosko. And it's, it's an intimate exchange. He doesn't just want your traditions. I'm here to break the traditions. I'm here to break the religion. I'm here to break the bondage. He doesn't just want the tradition. He needs all of you to worship in spirit and in truth. What does that look like? It looks like surrender It looks like being an oil getter. It looks like knowing that he is your abundance, that it's a cycle. Do you realize it's a cycle? Because when you think that she got her oil and poured out first, no. He was telling them for months, okay, this in Bethany when they were sitting there, he had been telling them, look, I'm going to die. I'm going to crucify myself. I'm not crucify myself. I'm going to be crucified, and I'm going to be ra- I'm gonna raise up my body. He had been preparing them. You know all the disciples be telling everything. Come on, you've seen the chosen. Who's seen the chosen? What did he say? Come on, tell me what he said. What did he say now? Well, he's going to crucify himself. He's going to crucify himself. What? What do you mean he's going to crucify Well, he's going to raise himself up in three days. What does that mean? I don't know. He just said it. I'm just telling you what he said. She had had her brother pass. She had known what that feels like. She was crushed under the weight of waiting. Where is Jesus? Where is he? Why isn't he here? She was wailing for her brother. She was wailing. Why did you have to go? Why is Jesus not here? Why is my brother dead? And she was wailing. But do you realize that 
the crushing came and she paid the cost of I'm going to trust him anyway and I'm going to sit at his feet anyway and I'm going to go after him anyway. Do you have that kind of unction in you that says I'm going to worship him anyway? Two years ago, my, I got a phone call in the middle of the night and the tragedy was just like the tragedy it reminded me of Alan, the tragedy you hear of just losing a loved one. But I got a phone call in the middle of the night that my brother had passed. My younger brother, my baby brother had died in a car accident. And it was horrific. I remember the screams of my mom. I remember the screams in my own heart. And it, I was so broken. And I believed, I'm a miraculous. I mean, we've seen mir- miracles, healings, wonders. I believe for miraculous. I believe for raising the dead. Like, I believed it. Prayed over my brother. He didn't raise. And I remember months would go by. I mean, I, I remember months would go by, and I would, there was a song that we sang at our church in California. We had just recently moved, moved back from California. But it says, I believe that you still move mountains. I believe that you still break chains. I believe in the name of Jesus. I believe that you'll do it again. I believe that you'll raise the dead. I believe, I believe. And in that moment, I was crushed because I did not know if I believed that anymore. And in the moment of that pain and that crushing, it costs me trusting God in the middle, that he's doing something beautiful. And I was like a crazy, not a lot of people cry and scream and worship. And I was crazy, raising my hands, and I said, I believe that you'll do it again. I believe that one day you'll use me to raise the dead. I believe that you can move mountains. Lord, I believe. And I was crying because my, my flesh did not believe, but it cost me something. I was going to believe him anyway. And if the keys would come up, the keys would come up. I believe that God is going to do something in you. He's going to give you this worship, this spirit of truth and worship. Is there anybody at the keys coming up? I don't know if we heard them. Good. She's coming around the mountain when she comes. I believe God is going to do something in you because you know what? You might not be at a place where you feel like he's going to come through for you. Like you feel like this addiction would ever be broken. That you feel. It's not, we don't walk by feelings. You know that. We don't walk by sight. We walk by faith, not by sight. And I'm here to tell you to get your eyes back on the one who's going to give you the cleansing oil that you need tonight. It's got to cost you what you believe. It's got to cost you your own fears. It's got, there's something you need to lay down tonight. And I know I'm speaking to you because the Lord is here and he's in this place and he's speaking. And I just believe that if you remember this as you go on, that oil getters, they realize that quality matters, critics matter, and costs matter. When you go on at your day, you're at your job, And you're like rolling your eyes because that lady won't shut up again next to you. And you're like, Jesus, why don't you just touch her? And the Lord is like, honey, because I gave you oil last night and a bubbling up inside of you because I want you to pour out goodness on her. I want you to show her the love of God. I want you to pray over her. I want you to show her goodness. I want you to give her hope because she doesn't deserve it and she thinks you're her enemy, but you are going to love your enemies well because you have oil. You have oil and the Lord is going to bring a fresh oil. So I want you to stand up.